0: i've been thinking of (laughs) if you've got a bible there turn with me please to proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 proverbs 29 and verse 25 proverbs 29 25 luke you're faster than me it's faster to push buttons than it is to turn pages apparently so you beat me to it, but there's something, I'm a, I'm a tactile person, I like having a Bible in my hand. So I'm going to remain tactile, flick through these pages just to make sure that he hasn't changed a couple of words in that, which is what you can do when you've got computers at your fingertips. I've seen these high tech guys, they go, I don't like that one, if anyone take up their cross and follow me. So they say, if anyone wants to follow me, and they cut out, up, take up his cross, I've seen people like you, Luke. But hang on, Check. 29, 25. I think he might have nailed it there. Well done, Luke. Thank you. Nice to have an honest um, techie up the back. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be Safe or secure many, many years ago, when I was about fifteen years of age, I was going to a high school in a little town out west called Mudgy. Anyone know where Mudgy is great wine country it wasn 't back then um, i don 't know what it was back then I was fifteen i didn 't care. It was just Mudgy. and the highlight of my life was on weekends i 'd trudge across this paddock and over a couple of hills to some randoms property with a little bit of steak and i 'd cut little squares of steak and tie fishing line through it and just chuck it in the dam. Anyone ever go catch yabbies that way? And then slowly bring it towards the bank and you'd see the tentacles. And then you'd get an ice cream container and just scoop in behind the back. And I'd catch all my yabbies and then trudge five kilometres back over this hill and through the bushes home and then chuck them all in a pot and boil up my yabbies. And, and I can't believe I ate them from where they came from. But anyway, I did. I used to eat them. But on this one particular occasion, I went to school, and I was not the most disciplined of human beings when I was younger. I was fairly ill-disciplined. But I do remember this. Um, there was an army cadets group that used to meet in the playground at school. Anyone have army cadets at school? When I was at school, uh, and they were decked up. I mean, these dudes had everything. You had the, the whole full army gear. And, and, and after school, like as if it wasn't bad enough being stuck at school, As if it wasn't bad enough having teachers tell you what you had to do. As if it wasn't bad enough to have a bell telling you you can't be here now, you need to be there and so on. After school, people would voluntarily go and put on these thick, green, hot canvas uniforms and then stand in a line and do these ones and all this sort of stuff and march up and down. And they'd do it for two hours after school. And I used to think, you guys, idiots. Who wants to do that in their spare time, you know? But one day I got wind of a special event that was happening. These guys were going what they call a survival camp. So what they were going to do, of course, I preface by saying that the rules and the laws were a little different back then, any young people here, and you could get away with a few different things. You could never do this now, so don't go to school and say, we want to do a survival camp and here's how it works. So what they did is they gathered a bunch of people and said on Friday, all the army cadets are getting on a bus straight after school. The bus is going to take you right out the back into the hills and we're going to let you off in the hills, wave you goodbye and we'll see you Sunday evening. And we would be left, these kids were going to be left in the jungle, in the, in the woods, fending for themselves. They weren't allowed to take anything except for their axe and their string and all that stuff. And they had to build their own hutchies to live under catch their own food for 48 hours, all that stuff. And so when I heard about that, I thought, man, two whole days out in the bush with nobody around, no adults. I'm, I'm in. So I went down on Thursday and signed up for the army cadets. They suited me up. I got my gear, went home, slept, woke up the next day, came to school, after school, put the gear on, I was on the survival camp. I went, had a couple of my mates with me too, we went on the survival camp. So I go out the back into the hills, when we got there, they literally did that. They got off the bus with us all, they said, right, here's the meeting point, we're going to meet back here at X amount of time, we're only 15, we're going to meet back here at X amount of time on Sunday, go hard, just don't die was about the only rule they gave us, just don't die, make sure you're alive when we come back. And so the bus disappears and so we're broken up into little groups of three and we had to go and, and tear down bits of wood and build little hutches to sleep under in case it rained and all that stuff. And we had to go and catch our own food. And there was lots of rabbits around then. So, so what we did was, was me and a mate, we decided to, to try to catch rabbits. And so what we would do is we built this little noose type thing and you put it over the, the, the hole, the rabbit hole in the ground and then you sort of tie it to a tree. And the idea is when the rabbit comes bounding out, the grabs him and, and jokes the rabbit. In a very humane way. <laughs> very humane. Very humane. I caught a mouse this week in a very humane way as well. You know, you can buy mouse traps now. I bought a mouse trap because we had a mouse in our house. We had this big bag of chocolates that you guys gave us from the States. And I was waking up in the middle of the night with this, shush, shush, this noise. That didn't bother me. I knew it was a mouse in the bedroom, but I don't care. It's a mouse. Anyway, but I kept laying there going, Jesus, please do not let Jackie wake up at any point during the night when the rat's in there. And it lasted three or four days. Nothing happened. Then finally, one night, I'm laying there listening to the rat and I feel this on my leg. (laughs) Jackie, it's just a mouse. Get rid of it. Get up. Get up. So I got out of bed stealthily like I was back, back in my survival cadet days and I walked up to the bag and I'm standing at the bag like this and then as I'm there... Go! Jackie flicks the light switch on and I look in the bag and the mouse looks up at me and I look down at the mouse and he looks back at me and I went, and he went, "Ah!" and as I went to grab the top of the bag to close it, he jumped straight up in the air out of the bag lens and the thing, boom, disappeared. So I said, it's okay, Jackie's gone, we scared him, he's not going to come back tonight, I'll get a trap tomorrow, we'll catch this thing. So the next day I went down to Woolworths, I bought myself a little trap um, I put a bit of cheese on it dipped in peanut butter because they love peanut butter, covered it in peanut butter and that was the problem, there was peanut butter lollies in there and chewing away, all these lollies so I got it and I set the trap and I put the peanut butter and the cheese and that on the trap and I sat it there, went to bed thinking one night gone he's been back there four nights in a row, there's no way he's not going to come back again I wake up the next morning, I go to the trap he's got the cheese, the peanut butter off, the trap hasn't even snapped how good are these mice? how good are they these days you know if there's ever a cause to believe in evolution, it's mice, you know? How, how, do they, how do they learn that? He's crawled around and gone, oh, it's a trap, you know? And how's he got it off? But he got it off. It didn't even snap. So Jackie's workmate uh, found out about it. He said, look, I've got this thing. It's a box. You put four, four big D batteries in it. And what I did is I put some chisels inside it. And uh, a little mouse walked in there and then gone. Nice and humane. We finally got the mouse. But back to my original story, I digress. Back to my original story, we're out there. And so we, 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 we we're camping for the week and we've got our traps set. Cut a long story short, we didn't catch anything at all, not a thing. But it wasn't too bad because come Saturday night, I had a mate of mine called Rocker. And Rocker was with another sort of group over here and he wasn't real popular. A lot, a lot of people didn't sort of hang out with Rocker, didn't know how to take him. He was one of those guys that, you know, a little bit left field. And he goes, Al, come over here. He called me over to where his camp was and so I crept over to his camp sat down, he had a little fire, opens up his backpack. His mother has packed him steaks and sausages and eggs and everything. So we had a beautiful big feed. By the time we got off the bus on Sunday when the parents met us there, all these other kids looked anemic like they needed a feed. We just strolled off. We, oh, I don't eat tonight, Dad. I'm fine, you know. Um, but the principle of a snare, the idea is that the rabbit would come through, would, would get caught in this thing. You know, the interesting thing about a snare is that it gives you a certain amount of freedom. The snare gives you a certain amount of freedom. That rabbit, if he had to come out of that thing, got that thing trapped around his neck, he would have still had, say the cord's that big, he would have had a certain amount of freedom. There's a certain point where he would walk along and then all of a sudden he go. Kah! And he might be able to walk, skip off this way, and then all of a sudden. Kah! And the Bible says that the fear of man is like a snare. In other words, the fear of man will allow you a certain amount of freedom in life, but there's a point where you know you're getting dragged. There's a point where you can't go beyond because of this thing called the fear of man. And you know what? I don't believe that God wants us to live under the fear of man. I believe if we're going to achieve everything that God wants us to achieve, personally, if I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be, I've got to break free of the fear of man. I've got to not be so worried about what people think, not be so worried about what the world thinks of me, not be so worried about the limitations others want to put on me. And I've got to be free to step into the future that God has for me because there's always going to be people around who are going to try to pull me back. There's always going to be people around whose opinions and perspectives are going to try to, like a snare, let me go to a certain point, but then go, oh, you can't go beyond that and pull you back. Maybe some of us in our backgrounds, maybe the way we grew up can become a bit of a snare and the people around us. We see this a lot. I had a friend of ours, a, a lovely young uh, indigenous man who, who got an NRL contract. He's playing in, uh, in Sydney now with one of the NRL teams. And I remember just before he we went down to Sydney being at a, a presentation night, uh, with him at the end of a season, and at the end of the year, all the players, first-grade players, would get their cheques given to them by the club. And I met him coming up to me, sitting next to me, and I was, he just didn't look real good. I said, what's going on, mate? And he said, I, 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 I don't know what to do. He said, as soon as I get my cheque, he said, I want to put this money into a bank account, and I want to save for a car. I want to start buying some. But he said, all my family, as soon as they enter me, they never leave. everyone, and everyone's taking money out, and wants this, and wants that, and so on. There was something in his environment that was trying to stop him from actually progressing, being the person that he wanted to be. And he felt like he couldn't say no, for whatever reason. He felt like he had to uh, uh, succumb to this lifestyle, succumb to these limitations that were being put around him. You know, I believe as a church, if we want to reach into our community, if we want to make a difference here, we've got to break free of the fear of man. We've got to break free of the limitations of the society around us that say, hey, you're a church, you can do this. You're a church, you can't do that. Hey, You're Christians. You know? I think we've got to break free of the limitations and the restrictions that are being put upon us, uh, not only by the world around us, but even by the enemy. There are restrictions that he puts on us. The uh, Bible says that the spirit of fear, Paul, Paul writes and he says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power and sound mind. Fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. That invisible limitation that we get to that point and all of a sudden we get, I can't go beyond here. If we look around, quite often there's no natural barrier around us, but there's something internal. There's this thing called a spirit of fear that the enemy wants to release upon us to pull us back, to hold us back. I, mean, I, I look at, at certain issues that have been going on that we've talked about this morning. I'm amazed how, how this spirit of fear has been running rampant to the point where if you were, for example, a voter who was agreeing with the whole idea of saying, so you could be as vocal and as loud as you wanted, but if you were going to say no, you had to be quiet. There was this fear. People were afraid to speak up and go, you know what, I'm actually a no-voter. It's not a judgment on human beings and people. But you know, did you notice that? I noticed it on social media, Jackie, with a lot of her friends. You'd see it in the newspaper. Whenever there was someone that was on this side, it was like this unspoken fear. You can't have that opinion. But over here, you go rampant, be whatever you want. And it's this spirit of fear that's pervading society. God says that we shouldn't be under that spirit of fear. Fear is a snare. It'll, see, this is the thing. Most people live with fear because you have a certain amount of freedom. Because there is a little bit of room to move with a snare around your neck, we feel like it's, it's life. It's okay. But God's saying, no, I don't want you to fear man. I don't want you. That's not living. That's existing. I want you to live free. I want you to live uh, embodying the moment with me. I want you to live free to be my people. I want you to be able to express yourself. I want you to be able to worship me. I want you to be able to love me. I want you to be able to stand for me. I want you to be confident in taking this message of the cross to the world around you, not be afraid and not be limited because of what the world around us or what society around us might say. One of my favorite passages about fear is Paul. Paul speaks very poignantly about his own fears in First Corinthians chapter 2. and verse 3, Paul, the apostle, he says this, Starting in verse 1, he says, And I, brothers, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. So I didn't come to dazzle Yeah, I, I didn't come to, to be really intelligent and smart. You know? I didn't come to be another philosopher that's walking around in, in Corinth, which was a mecca for philosophers and and, and, and people that like to just talk. You know, there was a, a, a particular... Um, Sporting event called the Ithmian Games. It was second only in the world to the Olympics. The Olympics was the big one every four years. Ithmian games, I think, was probably every second year. And it was held in Corinth. And so people would come in, that's why there's a lot of sporting analogies in the Corinthian letters, because they knew about sport. It was the hub. It wasn't like now where the Olympics go around city to city. Ithmian games were in Corinth every second, I think it was every second year. And people would come from all around the known world, and they would come for three months before the game started, and they would train. They would physically train. They would be athletes all around the place doing stuff. And you know what the number one uh, event in the Ithnian Games was? The number one event was what they called the oratory. It was where somebody would stand up and speak. It was an event in the Ithnian Games, and it was one of the most highly prized events in the Games. Now, the thing is that it didn't matter what they talked about. They could talk about a bar of soap, a grain of sand. It didn't really matter what they were saying. Content was not important. It was presentation. I get a little bit scared sometimes when I look at the church world around me. I feel like, man, I think we've got to be careful we don't go back to that. We're really It's all about charisma and presentation and how clever you are when you talk and content's becoming secondary. We've got to be careful that we don't get sucked into that ourselves. Again, I can see that happening. And it was the same back in Paul's day. So Paul saying. I didn't come to you with excellence of speech and superiority. I didn't come to you to try to win the award of the oratory in the Ithamian Games. I didn't come at you like that. This is not a performance for me. He says, I didn't come trying to persuade you with my words or trying to win an award. He says, I determined not to know anything among you except this one thing, Christ and him crucified. That's all I wanted to know. And that's all I wanted to talk about was the cross. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Watch this in verse 3. He admits this. He says, I was with you in weakness in fear and in much trembling. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul being scared. I think sometimes we, we read the stories of these great men of faith and we lose the emotion of it. We feel like these guys were just these strong, you know, we, we would, we would, we would, they're all Arnold Schwarzeneggers, Jesus and the 12 Schwarzeneggers, you know, all walking around, big muscly dudes. Nobody would mess with them. Nobody would back chat them. Nobody would say, no, if Jesus said, hey, I want to pray for you. No, I don't want prayer, Peter. Okay, yeah, pray for me, pray for me. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. They faced persecution in their day. They faced misunderstanding. They faced people that wanted to shut them down. They lived in a society where just speaking the name of Jesus could have got them killed. There was a lot of stuff and a lot of reasons around them why they should have bowed to fear. There's a lot of reasons around them why the early church should not have succeeded. Yet they punched through that and achieved great things and spread the word of God, impacted their communities, reached out to people, busted the social norms, interacted with those that the rest of society said, no, you don't go near those people. And we went, well, in the name of Jesus, we do. In the name of Jesus, we do. Are uh, These people are outcasts. Well, in the name of Jesus, we make them incasts. You know? These people are subservient to them. No, no, in the name of Jesus, we're all equal. We're equal. They busted a lot of social norms and they did a lot of things. But I love Paul's honesty. He says, I was with you in fear and much trembling. But here's the thing. We can be out there in the world with fear and much trembling. But see, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the ability to punch on forward even when you are afraid. And the Bible shows us time after time, people who were afraid to step out in faith for God, people who were afraid to be the people of God, people who knew that if I make this decision, there's a price to be paid. If I do the right thing, this could cost me something. The Bible is full of people who were standing on the precipice of fear and had to make a decision, what do I do? The snares around me, I've come this far, now I'm standing here, I can feel something pulling me back. Do I go back or do I go forward? Which direction do I go? And every time I walk backwards, I empower. Imagine fear and faith being two muscles. Anyone go to the gym here? Anyone here go to the gym? Yep, yep, you can probably tell I do. And... um, once. And and so I want you to imagine fear and faith are two muscles. I want you to imagine that this is my fear muscle and this is my faith muscle. And every time I step out in faith and I'm confronted with fear and I've got a decision to make, every time I allow fear to be my master, I go like this, one. And next time I'm confronted with something and I allow fear to be my master again, I go, two. And then I go, three. And the more I allow fear to be my master, the the more strength I give and the more control I give to fear. I build up that muscle. But you know what? The same thing happens every time I'm confronted with that environment, that situation of fear, but I step across the precipice and I step out in faith. And every time I do that, you know what happens? Uh, One. And next time I go, no fear, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to step across uh, two. And next time I'm confronted with that situation and I go, right, I've got a choice here. There's a spirit of fear, and there's a spirit of liberty in Jesus. There's a spirit of bondage, and there's a spirit of freedom. There's a spirit here that's trying to get me to make sure that the kingdom of darkness on planet Earth stays here as unscathed as possible, and there's another spirit going, get out there and smash the devil's head. And every time I'm confronted in those environments and situations, I have to make a choice. Which one am I going to bow my knee to? Whatever I bow my knee to in that moment becomes my Lord in that situation. It's a very graphic picture and graphic way of putting it. But if we can imagine that, every time I give in to fear, it's almost like turning and bowing my knees to fear and going, Well, you're now my Lord. Why? Because you're in control of me. And every time I step out in faith, it's like bowing my knee to the cross and going, You know what? You are my Lord in this moment. You've got control of me. And I think God doesn't want us to live as people in bondage to fear. God wants us to live in freedom and liberty. We should not be shrinking away from the world because we feel like we follow some dilapidated ancient religious set of rituals. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen? He was King of kings and Lord of lords 2,000 years ago and he is today. The cross was powerful 2,000 years ago, and it's just as powerful today. God set sinners free from bondage of sin 2,000 years ago, and he does it today. Jesus healed the sick 2,000 years ago, and he still does it today. The church was powerful and moving forward. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that they actually were aspired to, by that the people respected them. It says that because of what the church stood for, because of the courage... Now, keep in perspective, again, we're talking about a group of people that are doing something that is illegal. But the non-church world are looking at them going, we're in awe of these people. What is it about them? It's totally illegal to be believing what they believe and doing what they do, but they do it anyway. Man, we're in awe of them. There's something wonderful about this group. You know what it is? They've got a set of a set of values they've got boundary markers in their life moral absolutes and they live it and they don't care what the rest of the world thinks and, they, and that stood them up in society and the Bible says that the society around them were in awe of the church I think God wants us to get back to being that church God wants us to get back to being that kind of people God wants us to live under that spirit of liberty and freedom and it's amazing what happens when we step out it's amazing how you feel them shackles just break off one by one. Next time you're confronted with fear, next time you know you should do something, next time you, you know that this is the right way to go, this is the way to walk in it, and you feel that nagging voice and you feel that shackle, you feel that snare around your neck pulling you back, next time you're in that situation, I want you to ask yourself the question, am I going to bow to fear or am I going to bow to faith? And let me tell you something. When you take that step of faith and you say no to fear and you say no to snare, you'll you'll feel those things just, they fall off. Those chains start snapping and you begin to walk in a level of freedom and life that Jesus calls abundant. Amen? That's what we're called to be. If we want to make a difference up that hill, if we want to make a difference in our workplace, we want to make a difference in our families, we want to make a difference in our community, in our nation, we cannot afford to be controlled by fear. We cannot afford to be controlled by fear. We have to make a decision, draw a line in the sand, and go from this moment on, I'm going to bow to faith. I'm no longer going to bow to fear. Jesus put it this way He said, What good is it fearing man who can't do much to you other than perhaps snuff out your mortal life? So if you're going to fear anybody, fear God who has power to do more than that, beyond this tiny little speck we call life this side of eternity. Who do we fear more? God? And by the way, it's not fear as in shaking and ooh. It's all about respect in the moment, reverence. Who do I reverence in that moment? Do I reverence the enemy enough, that spirit of fear enough to bow to it? Or do I reverence my heavenly father enough to go, no, Jesus, this is the way I'm going to walk in it. Father, I just pray uh, for each of us today, Lord. I... God, thank you, Father, that you have not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear. You have given us a spirit of freedom. You've given us a spirit of liberty. You've given us a spirit of life whereby we can call out Abba, Father. We can call out uh, that God, you are our God. You are our Father. Lord, you are the one that we take direction from. Lord, you are the one that we listen to. You are the one that we follow. You are the one that our time on earth here is about. It's about what you want. It's about who you are. It's about expanding your kingdom, Father. And God, I, I just pray, Lord, that, that Jesus talked about how it's going to get darker and darker. And he said, people are going to fall away from the faith and people are going to, going to, going to get consumed with materialism. People are going to get consumed with, with social stuff. People are going to get consumed with all kinds of things. And the love of many people will grow cold. And the passion of many people will grow cold. Now, Father, I pray for us here at Arise, Lord, that we would not be those people. God, as it gets darker and darker, the beautiful opportunity we have is to shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And Lord, I pray for each of us here that we would be bright lights in the community in which you've placed us. We would be bright lights in the families that we have, bright lights in our workplaces, bright lights among the society where you've placed us, our friends, our work colleagues, the networks of people that are in our life. Lord, let our light so shine that people would see our good deeds and they would glorify our Father who is in heaven. That's our heart's desire, Father. Lord, I pray over the next seven days, give each of us in this room an opportunity to share the goodness of God with someone who does not know you. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 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 God bless. Bang, 12.02. 12.02, almost right on time. Two minutes overdue. Have a great week. Um, continue to pray for Dell. Continue to pray for this building process and do something out. do something extraordinarily wonderful for God this week, I dare you. I dare you, I challenge you. I double dare you, I triple dare you. Do something extraordinarily wonderful for God. Why don't, here, I triple dare you. Why don't you pray for the sick this week? Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you tell someone, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus this week and just see what happens. I quadruple dare you, God bless. I five-druple. I nine-druple you. I'm going to stop talking now because now I'm just dripling on.